Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have rights as an attorney prior to and during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will point one for you. Do you understand your rights? When the wolf is at your door, you're running so that's for sure. You already know all about you. Cut you down. This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Y'all stay tuned at the end of today's show. Um, we have some very important announcements about the people's choice podcast awards for 2023 so stay tuned to that um today i'm gonna be telling you a story that i went down a wormhole on i think it's just absolutely disturbing uh all the stuff i was able to find out and it actually is a story that we covered on real life real crime daily briefly and on one of our episodes and I started looking this dude up, and I was like, holy shit. Uh, um, so I'm going to do the best to tell the story of these victims and, and this mama and this monster. And we're going to call the this title of this episode is going to be Z, all right? The letter Z. So we'll take you to May 16th. 1990 in Cape Coral, Florida. And a lady by the name of Jan Cornell lived in a, in a residence with her daughter, Robin Cornell, who was 11 years old. And that day, uh, on uh, 
the 16th, the Jan had just let her friend, Lisa Story, who was 32 years old, move into the residence, right? Helping her out, giving her a place to live. And so it was the evening time, and Jan had a boyfriend uh, uh, who lived in the same city. His name was Donnie. And she hadn't planned on going out that night, uh, uh, but Donnie called, and he wanted to come over and watch one of the basketball playoff games. And both Robin, her daughter Robin, who was 11, and Lisa – uh, told her, said, hey, you know, you go go and enjoy yourself and, and we'll be fine and, you know, it's all good. And uh, and Jan told him, said, okay, well, I'm going to go, but I want you all to lock all the doors. And there were several people who had keys to the residence, several of Jan's friends, but the, the front door, if you didn't know how to open it with the key, it was really tricky, right? So, you know, anyway, they, they locked up the house uh, before she left. Um, Robin, her daughter, said, Mama, you go be with Donnie and uh, just tell him, for, to, you know, remember to come pick me up for school in the morning, right? So Jan leaves and goes to Donnie's and they watch the basketball game and she fell asleep on the couch. And she woke up, she said it was like 4.30 in the morning. She was like, oh, I didn't mean to stay. And so she drove back to her residence. And she got to the residence, and the, the front door was locked. And when she was approaching the front door, she thought she heard someone coming down the steps inside the house. And the, uh, she went around to, to the rear door of the house, the sliding glass door, and guess what? It was open, and she thought, well, maybe Lisa left it open so her cat could, you know, could go out and use the bathroom or whatever. She wasn't really thinking anything was wrong at that point. But then she entered the residence, and she saw her ironing, ironing board uh, was up, and on it was a couple pictures of her kids, right? Because she had another older daughter who – no longer lived with her because uh, um, they had a disagreement about something. Some some got body she was dating or whatever, and but then she starts to look and the the place is torn apart, right? So now she's starting to go into panic mode. She's calling out for him, and she goes to Robin's bedroom and she opens the door and sees what no parent ever wants to see. She saw her eleven year old daughter face down nude with a pillow underneath her um, pelvic area and and there was a sex toy on the floor beside her. And so she freaks out. She rolled her over and she said it looked like she had been regurgitating or she had stuff around her mouth and she started to give her CPR um, and you know, she called for help, started to give her CPR, but she said she she realized that Robin was dead. Freaked out, cops called, everybody comes, and naturally they have to call homicide detectives. And that the um 
you know, Robin and Lisa were both dead. They work the scene. They collect evidence. Now, the key pieces of the evidence will come to play later on in this case were uh, swabs. Now, remember back in, in 1990, DNA really wasn't even started yet, and, and it certainly hadn't been used. There was no database, CODIS, or whatever that they use now. But what you know, they worked it as a crime scene as it should have been worked, and they collected semen from uh, inside a robin, the eleven-year-old at, at the autopsy. They also swabbed contact areas on the body, and there were semen. There was semen on the sheets uh, um, in, in Robin's bed, and there was even a hair found on. Lisa Story's body, okay? Uh, um, so, that, I mean, they work it. And then, again, I told you that numerous people had keys. Numerous of Jan's friends had keys. They were all talked to, and all, they were all alibied out. They actually questioned, I think, 12 different suspects at the time. And generally, y'all, in a case like this, first thing they're going to do it is – you know, eliminate Donnie and eliminate the mom, and then they work their way out. But they, I think it was 12 different people they interviewed, and, and they would have researched the sex offender database because it was obvious that they had been raped, they being Robin and Lisa. And the, uh, so they, they talked to all the known sex offenders and, you know, they work it, they work it, they work it. Now, in 1990, the Internet wasn't really rolling yet and certainly was covered on local news in, in Coral, uh, Cape Coral, Florida. And But they just, they did their jobs, and they did it their jobs very well. I've researched the, everything I could find on this case. and But unfortunately, in some cases like this, once you run out all your leads, you run them down, you're able to exclude everyone, they go cold, right? And this case went cold forever. Now, what happened was uh, ultimately the Cape Coral Police call in the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And y'all basically that's like the the Louisiana State Police, but the you know, the best of the best investigators. And the over the years, as the case went cold, the evidence that they had collected, and once DNA became more widely available and used and CODIS was established and all that, the database, national database for um, DNA, uh, they submitted these samples in, but they never got a match, right? Well, on... August 27th, 2016, a guy by the name of Joseph Zeller got arrested for some battery charges. All right. It, you know, and I, I, I'm guessing on this part because I know it, it's a law in Louisiana now. If you get arrested for, it's pretty much standard everywhere. If you get arrested for any certain type of crime, they automatically swab you when they put you in. Uh, in jail when you're arrested, and they put that swab into the CODIS database. Well, Zeller got arrested. He got swabbed on August 27, 
2016 in just, let's see, September, October, November. Uh, on November 16th, 2016, guess what? All the items I told you about, the evidence that had been entered into CODIS came back and it was a match to jo- Joseph Zeeler. And Joseph Zeeler, by this time, y'all, is like 63 years old. Make sure I'm correct on that. No, he's 61 years old, all right? So Joseph Zeeler had been born in 1962. He was approximately five foot seven and about 160 pounds. He was described as having beautiful eyes and hair, uh, as being dashing and smart, and he wore trendy clothes. And he was married to a lady named Bonnie Nicely. The world has become a smaller place, and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show. And that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once in a lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Au revoir. Um, so the cops, you know, start digging in the Zealer. And that's when they find out all the stuff about how he's married to, et cetera. He actually, Zeeler actually had a son named Zachary Zeeler, and I don't know any more information on this, but it, it's listed that his son was killed by Joseph Zeeler with a pellet gun. Now, why he didn't get charged, maybe it was an accident, or he said it was an accident, I don't know, um, but that's what happened. So they bring him in for questioning, right? And they recorded it, and during the recorded interview, they said, Zeal was nervous, and when they were questioning him, his voice started to crack, right? Uh, but he told detectives that he had never even been to Cape Coral, Florida, right? Um, so basically they're setting him up. I used to do this trick, too. You know, you bring him in, hey, we want to question you about this murder. You advise him of the rights. And say, so we just got some information, you know, that you may have been involved. And he's like, no, no, I wasn't involved. And uh, he said, I got memory problems, though. And my girlfriend makes all my decisions for me, but I can't even remember anything. Well, they continue to question him. Um, 
And he said, look, I can't even remember my parents' names. And and they were asking about Cape Coral, Florida. And he was like, I, I don't even remember uh, ever being there or how I got there or whatever. But a short time later during the interview, he admits to remembering his girlfriend's phone number, right? But you can't remember anything. But anyway, the, the so basically they asked him, said, is there any reason your DNA would be inside this crime scene? He was like, uh-uh, no way. My DNA, no, uh, didn't happen. They were like, mm, well, you can go fuck yourself because we got your ass now. Not only was your semen there, it's in, it's inside a dead 11-year-old girl. It's on the sheets. It's on a pillow. And even your one of your hairs was found on side and on on Lisa Story's body, right? And so he just he just denies it and, and but they arrested him. And now this was in November of twenty sixteen. And he just for whatever reason the trial kept getting delayed and delayed and swapping attorneys and everything else. And then he had to be interviewed by shrinks and psychologists, both for the defense and then the state and, uh, you know, to be rebuttal witnesses. And I'll get to that in a little while. Um, but finally comes time and he gets ready to go to trial. Well, one of the things he did y'all, and this is crazy as fuck actually, while he's waiting for trial, what does this genius do? He starts sending threatening letters to the victim's uh, victim's mama and Lisa Story's friend Jan Cornell. And you know, when he's questioned by the state attorney about that, he, the state attorney says, "Look, you think it's appropriate to send threatening letters to the eleven-year-old that was murdered's mom?" And Ziegler says, "Well." Nobody would listen to me, so I was trying to defend myself, right? And anyway, finally, we go to trial, right? And Zeeler testified in his own defense. And on Thursday, May the 18th this year, y'all, he, he said he denied being in Cape Coral when the murders happened. So... State's attorney starts to ask him about the key evidence and uh, of the DNA at the scene. And Zio said, and it, so y'all, he testified now, this, which is rare. He testified in his own defense. Zio said he had sex with Jan Cornell a few months before the murder. So now he's admitting he had been in Cape Coral, but not, not during the time of the murder. He said, I thought the only way my DNA got there was from me sleeping with Jan Cornell. And then Zeeler called Jan Cornell a pig. He said, she's calling me a rapist and a murderer, and I'm calling her a pig because she doesn't wash her sheets. Right? Zeeler then, in front of the jury... He holds up a piece of evidence that his, his attorneys hadn't introduced yet, and he started to talk directly to the jury. Now, the judge over the trial is Robert Branning, and he got pissed. He was like, I have never, ever had to speak to a defendant 
like this. And I regret that you put me in this position, Mr. Ziegler. But if you continue to act like this, I'll have, have to start contempt uh, proceedings. So now, y'all, he's definitely on trial for his life. It's, it's, a, it's a death penalty case. And in Louisiana, they just changed the law where you only 10 out of 12 had to be in the penalty phase had to recommend the death penalty. Uh, that's how it's been for my whole career. They just changed it now where it's 12 out of 12 have to recommend the death penalty. In the state of Florida, makes me want to move back there. They changed their law from 12 out of 12, and now in the state of Florida, the, a jury only has to have 8 out of 12 to recommend the death penalty. Okay, But ultimately, it's, it, it, if you get that far – you found guilty, the um, then you go into the penalty phase, and that's where they introduce all the mitigating circumstances, et cetera. But at the end of the penalty phase, they go back and they vote. So in Florida, only eight out of twelve had to vote for the death penalty, but ultimately, it's still up to the judge, right? So during the trial, the defense tried to say that uh, Zeller suffered from a mental disorder, and his age and his health and mental problems were mitigating factors, right? And so his attorney is named Kevin Shirley, one of them. He said that Zeller deserves your forgiveness, but he doesn't deserve to forget what happened. And you need to take the necessary actions to save Mr. Zeller's life. So the he puts on a defense, uh, um, he said that Zeller has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and, and so he called to Dr. Mark Rubio, and Dr. Mark Rubio was the doctor for the defense. He said that, uh, yeah, he had Parkinson's disease, he had cognitive impairment, and then the state puts on a Dr. Carmen Yarmount, who's a psychologist, and he's he, he said, look, I tested this dude numerous ways, and that's all bullshit, right? Uh, but the defense doctor, Dr. Rubio, Rubino, it, he even claimed that Z suffered from brain damage. So, But during the trial, they played the interview of the tape with the uh, Cape Coral detectives, and while they were playing it, Zila just sat there and stared at the jury members and uh, when the you know they're, they're playing the tape about them confronting him about the murders, and that's when Zeal said, "You know, I suffer from memory loss, uh, and yeah, but I wasn't in Cape Coral at the time, and, and all that shit." Right? As trial goes on, the prosecution's putting on its case, and and the, you know they tell about the horror of the scene and and everything else. They tell about the DNA, they said the three key pieces of evidence that you're going to need to pay attention to are the semen that were found on the on the bed sheet by, by Robin and on the pillowcase and inside Robin's body, right? And the hair uh, uh, that was found on, on Story's body. So the... When they're testifying about it, y'all, they they put on the DNA experts, and the numbers 
were that it was that it would not be Zeller that had left his semen and his hair at, at the crime scenes and the murder scenes, where the numbers were one in seven hundred billion chance that Zeller wasn't the one to leave that that evidence there. Now the Florida Department of Law Enforcement DNA specialist went so further to testify and said, "Listen, the number is actually much higher." But our standards and policies and procedures said we we quit at seven hundred billion because the human brain cannot comprehend a number that's larger than that, but it's actually much larger. And you know they put Jan Cornell on the stand, and she tells about how Robin was a beautiful young girl who loved to skip rope and. Um, jump, jump rope and and watch movies and just a loving child um, and you know she testified about everything about finding the bodies and everything else. Well, the, the defense th- then tries to they question her and they were like, "Oh, don't you have another daughter?" And, and yeah, well, why isn't she living with you? Trying to make Jan like the bad mom. And she was like, "Because we got in an argument about." someone she was seeing and they were like, well, didn't a lot of people have access to the house? She said, no, people had keys, but not everybody knew how to access the, the front door because it was very tricky and they're just trying to blame it on her. Right. And, and so the case state puts on their, that the case and of course, the defense gets up, and I told you Zeller took the stand, and that's when he called Jan a pig. He said, I, yeah, I fucked her. I had sex with her months before the murders, and she's just a nasty bitch. She doesn't wash her sheets. Well, Z, the problem for you, sir, is you left your semen inside a dead 11-year-old's vagina, right? And you left it on the sheets, and pillowcase and your hair is found on the other victim's body. Um, to say this guy is, is a psychopath, y'all, is probably like the smallest of uh, 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 the terms we could use to describe him in a negative way, but he's just absolutely a monster. They find him guilty. Oh, you know what? During the trial, one of the jurors sent a note to Judge Brandon and said, hey, you know what? I can't stay awake, and you need to replace me. Well, I don't know how you can't stay awake during a death penalty case, but Judge Brandon took about a 20-minute recess, dismissed her because he didn't want this overturned, any kind of legal uh, problems, and because he knows he's going to get to sit on death row for the rest of his natural life probably before they kill him, although – the state of Florida has executed two people recently, right? But the the judges err on side of caution, put in an alternate, no big deal. Trial goes through, and they find him guilty. Now, the, I mean, overwhelming amount of evidence, not only him threatening her, the uh, jam with, with the letters, and then the DNA, and him lying about uh, being in, 
Cape Coral or ever being in the house and then changing the story to, oh, yeah, I was there, but I had sex with her, and she's a dirty pig for not washing her sheets. Well, again, you screwed yourself. They find him guilty. They found him guilty, so they're coming back now, and it's the penalty phase, right? And this is where they're basically going to try to save his life. They're going to try to sway the jurors to um, vote to, or to suggest to the judge. And remember, if it's the death penalty, it has to be eight or more. And the defense is going to put on all these supposed mitigating circumstances, some of which I already told you about. And um, then they're going to go back and retire and vote. Well, they did it. And the it was long, and it's everything I t- told you. And then some... Basically, they're saying, oh, he had an accident back in the late 1999. He doesn't remember anything. You know, he's got all these mental illnesses and everything else. State had already counteracted that. They counteracted again, even with the prosecutor acting like he was robbing, saying, why is this man doing this to me? Why is he, why is he, I mean, she always, she was choked to death. Why is he smothering me? Why is he choking me to death? Why is he raping me? And the it was powerful, right? And, and, and so the the jury hears all the evidence in the, in the death penalty phase. They go back and they come back, and ten out of the twelve recommended to the judge. They said put him to death. The other two, uh, for whatever reason, I have no idea, but they recommended that he be sentenced to twenty five years to life, right? Okay, judge has got to you know take take some time to hear about it and the uh, or not to hear about it to think about it. And on June the twenty sixth, they come back into the courtroom. Now this is what made national news. I'm gonna tell you about this first. The cameras are in there. The judges they know the judge is gonna make his sentence uh, decision one way or another. So the cameras are in there, and they show Zeeler coming into the courtroom in his orange jumpsuit, and he's he's shackled at the waist. He's got shackled. Let me define that for you. First of all, he's got shackles on his feet, so he has to shuffle in. Then he has a waist chain on, and uh, the chain has your your handcuffs cuffed to it, uh, in, uh, like a little black box. And the keys facing to the inside, so you can't get your fingers over inside and try to open or anything. Um, but they're bringing him to court, and Zero calls over his attorney, Shirley, or whatever his name was, and he says, Hey, man, I need to talk to you. I'm going to whisper something to you. And this is on film. This was like all over national news. This is actually what got me started on this case before I found out all this other shit. And he. He tells him, he says, lean in so I can whisper to you. Well, his attorney leans down to whisper to him, and Zeeler is in a flash of an eye with all his force, takes his elbow and, and slams it into his attorney's face, knocking him down. And as soon as he does that, the deputies jump on and pull him off and everything, and it's like pandemonium in the courtroom, and the judge calls it the order and everything else. And the attorney gets up off the floor, and they're helping him. And the judge is like, hey, hey, are you okay? And he's like, judge, I used to be a boxer. I've taken a lot worse uh, shots than that. And 
that he was pissed, rightfully say. So Zeller, when he's going in to be sentenced, tries to hurt his attorney, and he says, I only wish I could have got a better shot on your fucking face. So the judge says, guess what, Mrs. Zeller? I'm now going to sentence you, and he said, called him everything. He didn't call him everything, but ch- child of God. But Judge Branding really ripped it into him and basically said, mm, I'm sentencing you to the death by lethal injection for the murders of 11 year old Robin Cornell and 32 year old Lisa Story. I'm going to play you this article. It's by Wink, W I N K. And it was an interview by reporter Claire Galt, uh, and then the writer was Rachel Murphy. And this is published on May 26, 2023. This is a mom spilling out 30 years of grief, finally. I promised her I will never, ever stop looking for the person that hurt you both. Pain and agony for a mother turns to pensive sadness. Jan Cornell's daughter, Robin Cornell, and close family friend, Lisa Story, were murdered in 1990. Now their killer faces justice, including possibly death himself. Good evening, I'm Amanda Hall. I'm Chris Safadi. Tonight, the Night Beats' Claire Galt talked exclusively with Jan Cornell about her search for justice 30 years later. We talked for 90 minutes. Jane Cornell let 33 years of pain and suffering spill out. She played for me the sound of her daughter Robin's voice, which she asked me to share. And as we talked, maybe for the first time, Cornell allowed herself to smile, knowing her little girl's killer may soon die for his crimes. For 33 years, Jan Cornell has kept this last recording of her daughter Robin's voice. I don't even know where to, to begin. And now, for the first time in 33 years, Cornell says she's at peace. Knowing that Robin and Lisa are going to have justice on the books forever. Because that's all I could ever make sure happen for them after this. And... They're going to have that, and I hope they know. In 2016, a DNA test linked Joseph Zeiler to her daughter's murder and the murder of friend Lisa Story, who was babysitting Robin that night in 1990. The jury not only convicted Zeiler, they also recommended he be put to death. The judge will decide Zeiler's fate in late June. Whatever the decision is, I just never want him to be free. If his punishment is to live alone for the rest of his life, it ensures that he will never walk another free day of his life to inflict his torture. And he's an evil man. I don't even like to call him a man. He's evil to the core because you watch this. There was not one shred ever of any remorse. I asked Cornell if 10 years ago before Zyler's arrest, if she'd ever see this day. Her answer, no way. I'm okay with that. I'll keep looking, but I don't want to find out because he killed someone else like he did them. I don't ever want anybody to feel like I do. Until detectives caught Zyler, Cornell told me she could never let go, could not move away, because what if someone forgot? What if detectives stopped looking? I don't ever want them to be forgotten. 
because their time here on earth was so short. And I just don't want them to be forgotten. Kind of part of a promise I made. I, I promised the day I had to say goodbye to Robin at the funeral home at the cemetery. I promised her I will never, ever stop looking for the person that hurt you both. Now, 33 years later, Cornell can reminisce and smile. Robin talked about the future. She, things she wanted to do and be. When, when she grew up, she wanted to be, it was a writer or an author, a, a lawyer, or she, I said, what about a doctor? She went, no, no, no. <laughs> Any child that is feeling like they're the underdog, Robin was an ambassador for that. And when I asked her about Lisa? Lisa's great. She loves, she wants to save the planet. She wants to save everything. As for Zyler, Cornell called him a monster. And her wish for him? I want him to leave his prison like my daughter and my friend left their home. And a zipped up closed body bag. And then justice will have been served. Because we're never going to know why he came there. We can only just speculate and guess. We don't know. Because he's an evil person. Cornell told me for 33 years she feared Robin's and Lisa's last minutes on this earth. She told me they had to be worse than anything she could ever imagine. They must have been terrifying. And she never wants anyone to feel that kind of fear, except for Joseph Zeiler. That was before Judge Brandon came back on June the 26th and sentenced Joseph Zeiler to two death sentences. And then we can only hope that he'll get it. Shout out to the cops who never gave up. Shout out to Jan Cornell for never giving up. Reminds me of Stephanie Stephanie Bell guards standing over Courtney Coco's grave and promising her on the day of her funeral that she would never give up. Props off to him. Um, Zyler, that dude's going to burn in hell. So, anyway, I, this is different. It's just the story when I started reading and saw the facts and everything, I was like, holy shit. So, I'm, anyway, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening um, and liking and sharing and all that. Now, look, I want to do some uh, podcast awards annou- announcements. So, y'all, this is the 18th annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. And we've been nominated in numerous categories again because of y'all. Last year, for the second year in a row, I won Best Male Host in the World. Um, I also won, for Real Life for Crime, I won uh, Best True Crime Podcast. And also won, for the second time, I won it for Drama and Storytelling and last year, I won it for Most Influential Podcaster. All huge, uh, just pure love. And we've been nominated again, including Bloody Angola. So let me tell you about it real quick. So you go to podcastawards.com. So you'll scroll down. Scroll down to, uh, you have to register. You enter in your email address. And y'all, they do this to keep it fair so people can't use bots. 
And when you enter in your email address, they're going to send you a confirmation email. When you click on that email, let me do mine right now, because you could be a podcaster or a listener or both. So, y'all, you get your confirmation email, and you click on it, and then they have the categories, right? So Real Life Real Crime is up for the Adam Curry's People's Choice Podcast of the Year War. That's the only one we've never won, y'all. Uh, that's every podcast from every genre in the world. We've been, we've been nominated and made the finals for it, I think, three times now. And so there's that category. Just It's the first one. It, scroll down to the R's, and you'll see Real Life, Real Crime. If you would, please give us a vote. Then there is the Best True Crime Podcast. And, again, if you'll scroll down to the R's, and click on it and, and give us your vote. We'd appreciate it. Now, y'all, Real Life Real Crime this year is not only me, but uh, you, as you know, there's two separate parts. There's a Real Life Real Crime Daily Show, which is new. We started this year. So that's part of it And uh, because we're on the same feed. So we, if you give a vote, uh, if you're not voting for me, if you want to vote for Real Life Real Crime Daily, it's the same thing. The... Uh, then scroll down to best male host, and again, uh, click on that. Scroll down to real life, real crime, and please give me a vote again. It would be awesome to be a three Peter, right? Three years in a row, can't do it without y'all. And then scroll down to uh, best drama and storyteller, which we've won twice now. I'd love to win it again a third time. And, Click on that. Go to Real Life Real Crime. Click and give us your vote, and I'd appreciate it. Most influential podcaster in the world. Holy shit, winning that last year. I mean, best male host in the world is fantastic, y'all, uh, and won it twice a year, but I had no idea uh, we were going to win. The, and it was because of y'all, the most influential podcaster in the world. So click on that. But check this out. For the first time, and because Bloody Angola – was in its infancy stages last year. Bloody Angola, the, the podcast I co-host with Jim Chapman, when you're doing all the other scrolling, please go to history. There's a, a category for history podcasts, and Bloody Angola has been nominated. Please give us your vote. If you haven't listened to Bloody Angola, you need to go listen to it. It's, it's a fire show, totally different than real life, real crime in any way. So, Again, we're going to do an announcement about it. I'll have Jim and, and Mike on, and we'll, we'll tell you again. We're going to post it to all our social media. We only have a couple weeks for y'all to vote, all right? And then they're going to come out and say who the finalists are. Once that happens, uh, when, uh, when you sign up, it says, uh, uh, are you a podcaster, a listener, or both? And you check whichever one you want. And then... The, it will ask you, if you're selected, would you like to be a final judge? Please check that box, y'all. That's the, so after the, the nomination period and if you make the finalists, then those people who are selected randomly, I think it's 2,000-something, however many it is. It might be more this year. But those people who were selected randomly, and a lot of lifers were last year selected to be final judges, that's huge for us. So we'll, we'll let you know when those emails come out, and, uh, 
you know, certainly let us know if, if you get to be selected to be a final judge and, and, and then you just have to vote one more time. So ultimately it's the, it's the podcast. It's the oldest podcast awards in the world. And when I won it the first year for drama and storytelling, I think there was like, I don't know, 700,000 votes overall in the whole contest. Last year it was over 4 million voters. So the, the, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger every year. This is the one time uh, a year that we ask y'all to do this. Uh, it's you lifers are the best fans in the world. I'm talking about we beat out all the best shows in the world, people, because of y'all. And I, I know we could win it in the years past, and then this year we went to number one in the world because of the TikTok somebody shared. And then, of course, we had daily – a dateline come out after that with Courtney Coco. Our listenership has way more than quadrupled, probably seven or eight times bigger than it ever was. Um, so if you're listening to this for the first time, we really, really appreciate it. I know it's, it's a pain in the ass, but if you just take a moment out, go to podcastawards.com and register uh, and, and vote for us. I really would appreciate it. So, with that being said, y'all, next week I'm starting a series, uh, and it's, it's, I have the entire case file. It's uh, about at least two murders that we know of um, in North Louisiana, and it's going to run however long it runs, but I have everything, everything, and I'm trying to put it together in a chronological and a storytelling way um, it's one of the most horrific cases, and if this dude isn't a doesn't have more bodies on him than two, I'll be a monkey's uncle. But I'll explain that to you next week, and this is probably going to run at least a couple weeks. But again, tune in to Real Life Real Crime Daily. That's on Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. You get that. And it's all titled under the feed, RRC Daily, and the date, right? Your original real life real crime stories come out on Tuesdays, and Bloody Angola comes out on Thursdays. So it's a plethora of stories, and we appreciate y'all's patience. Patreon members, convicts, Apple subscribers, we love you all. We passed twenty some thousand in the real life real crime community app now. Um, trying to get everybody off of Facebook to theirs, so. I go there and answer everything first because I have so much more social media. Uh, TikTok, uh, I mean, we're like 17,000 on that now. And we're trying to post more videos to it. Instagram is at Real Life Real Crime. Um, if we owe y'all something, patrons or convicts, what are, oh, and I'm putting up another episode for y'all next week too. But if we owe y'all something, email Cindy at CYNDI at Real Life Real Crime.com. And, um, last but not least, you know, I always end it with LOPA, Louisiana, Oregon procurement agency. The all they're a nonprofit. They save lives every day. They help facilitate the process. Plus they're there for the families the whole entire time forever. And, and it's just, there's such a blessing and, and you never know. I mean, chances that they're ever going to use your shit are very slim, but if they do, you're not going to be in a position where you're going to care about it. 
but you can save lives. People are dying every day waiting on organ transplants, and there's just not enough of them. So go to Lopa. Oh, if you're a lifer from New Guinea and you want to become an organ donor, you don't have to be from Louisiana. You can go to Lopa, L-O-P-A dot org, fill out the form to sign up, and become an organ donor, be a hero, give the gift for life, right? And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder by You. Peace. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights?